Thank you for connecting to this podcast for Faith Renewed. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes. Um, If you don't have a Bible, we give those away here, and uh, we want everybody to have one. So if you need a Bible, please let us know. You can get those at Connect as well. We believe every person needs a Bible. The words will be on the screen. And if you are a YouVersion Bible app user, uh, there is a live event taking place right now that you can just click right on, follow along in the message, save that event, share that event. It's always going to be a good time to just dig in and study together. So if you have that, you can do so. Uh, We're... um, we're right now, if you, if you haven't ever been with us in worship, uh, maybe, uh, you know, it's been a while. Um, we're doing a series right now called The Greatest Stories Ever Told. And, uh, and so uh, what we're doing is just simply this. We're going through the Old Testament together. And so I like how this has kind of forced us, in a, in a sense, to just examine Scripture, go straight through, not just kind of jump over, pick and choose, but man, look at the Bible, look at Scripture, and, and so uh, we've been facing tough things in Scripture, we've been seeing some beautiful things, it all will build your faith if you allow that to get in your heart, and so uh, we're going to today kind of dig on into Ecclesiastes, but before we do that, can we pray together? Y'all with that? Y'all good? Let's do it. Father, we love you. God, we're thankful, Lord, for so many things that you're doing in our life today, God, and I just pray, God, that today we'll open up our hearts to you. God, we'll receive today your word. And uh, Lord, today, God, we'll just allow you, Lord, to just let your Holy Spirit, God, quicken and speak and draw each of us closer to you, Father. There's not a person in this room that doesn't need to be closer to you and who you are. So God, give us just a greater revelation of your love, your glory, of your grace. And uh, we just ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, last week, we finished up the book of Proverbs, and um, I love that book. It was just exciting. Uh, and today, we're going into now the 21st book of the Bible. And uh, we began this journey back January uh, uh, last year, and, uh, and it's just been, it's been good. I love what we've been seeing. And today, we're going to look at the next book, and uh, we're going to see uh, about a guy named Solomon who's uh, writing today and some very important stuff that he says. Um, uh, this is one of those books, the 21st book in the Bible. This is one of those, those books that kind of has like mixed reviews. It's interesting. It's, uh, it's, it's one that scholars will like greatly disagree on, that some would say that, man, these, the themes of Ecclesiastes are like positive, uh, kind of like life-affirming type stuff. Um, some would say, no, this is just, he's like very deeply pessimistic, and he, it's just a, it's a different place of level of, of writing here. Um, I think you'll see for yourself, this probably is a very intense place of where Solomon's at. Uh, I titled this, if you have it online, you version app, it's just simply entitled The Meaning of Life, as we talk about what life looks like and as we dig into this thing. And so what I'm going to do is just simply, uh, what I try to do each week um, is give you three things. Uh, I don't go more than three because my brain can't process any more than three. Uh, so, uh, you know, but um, sometimes, again, he takes us down that path. But I'm going to give you three things, and uh, the three things today just really uh, are kind of like, kind of lit, just kind of leap off the page for me as I studied Ecclesiastes. Well, I'm going to spend probably more time in number one 
Then the last two, but all equally important about how, how important, again, this book, I feel, is. And so um, the n- number one thing, if you're taking notes, you can write this down or you can follow along. It's simply this. Number one, true value can never be found in this life. No, you just want to be encouraged with that today. You know, I just, man, I know that just is a blessing to your heart to hear that. And you're like, man, I'm so glad I came to church this morning. You know, that I will never find any true value in this life. But let, let me explain it just a little bit. Um, I, I, there, there's, you know, there are things in pastors and ministries and stuff that are saying that, hey, you can have, you know, the best life now and, and, and experience all these great things. I'm not knocking that. I mean, because, again, in Christ, there is no greater experience we can have here. But I want you to understand something, please, is this. This is not the best life we'll ever have. If this is it, I mean, again, as great as good as it can be, if this is all there is, please listen, understand, man, maybe, I don't know, maybe we should think about something else because, listen, you know, we're like, man, we had to get up this morning. You know, some of y'all wanted to sleep in. You know, some of y'all just wanted to hit the clock, roll over. Some people did this morning. We're going to pray for them. And uh, maybe they're listening to live stream right now getting convicted. So, but, but, you know, again, there may be other things. But we got up, we came because Lynn, there's something in us drawing us. And I want us to see what I feel like kind of happens with Solomon here is this, that maybe he's, he's speaking some stuff. And just within, again, the understanding of when he wrote this, this is Solomon at the end of his life. All right. This is him like after he's lived, when he's nearing the end, knowing all these things are coming to an end. We had the great, cool privilege and luxury of being able to read Proverbs and study Proverbs, and it was awesome what he showed us there, and it was amazing. One of the things that I said about Proverbs was this, that we cannot look at Proverbs as simply like a fortune cookie, you know, just put a little slogan out or put a little saying out. We have to take those words from Proverbs and apply them. So it means that we read those things, we, we allow that to get in our heart, and then we go live that out. You know what happened to Solomon? Somewhere along the way, I don't know when this happened for him, but somewhere along the way, he started down a path that those words that he spoke to us, again, the Spirit of God through him, the collection of sayings and things that he put together in the book of Proverbs, somewhere along the way, He got off the path. Now, how do we know that? Because now we're going to read Ecclesiastes and look at this book together now from a little bit different sense and maybe seeing this thing in a new light. Because I want us to read this in chapter 1. We'll pick up right at verse 1, and we'll read together. It says this, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What profit has a man from all of his labor in which he toils under the sun? Speaking of this life. One generation passes away and another generation comes. But the earth abides forever. The sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. The wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. (laughs) To the place from which the rivers come, there they return again. 
All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new? It has already been in ancient times before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. Ecclesiastes is an intense book because we're having this king named Solomon speak these words now at the end of life. What does he say? I know there's a lot of big words, a lot of went on, a lot of big lengthy passages there, 11 verses. But, but what is he saying? He's saying something here that's crucial. And you've got to help understand this because this is going to help you understand the entire book of Ecclesiastes. He uses a word here, depending on the translation that you have, he uses the word vanity. Now, now vanity is simply this in the Hebrew itself. That actually means this. It is a vapor or breath. Okay, so just think for a second. Vapor or breath. Now, I, um, some of you guys know I enjoy hunting, and one of the things that I love is when it's, like, cold outside, and I like getting to put on, like, camouflage and, and go out there and get in trees and, and get in boats. And just if some people think that's very strange. I think you're strange. And, uh, but but it's just it's a wonderful, beautiful thing to be able to do that. And what I love to do is I love getting out there in the cold and just sitting there and all of a sudden breathing out, seeing my breath, man. You know, it's, it's awesome. Just sitting out there seeing the breath. Or how about when you was a little kid and you got up on the window and you got up on the window and you, and you blew on the window and you see the breath. And then what happens is simply this. It just simply just kind of fades away. You know what Solomon's saying here? He's saying that that's what life is. Now, again, it's crucial that we understand from that which he's coming from because we hear, him, we hear very similar writings like in the book of James in the New Testament. James chapter 4 verse 14 says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Now, Solomon's saying some stuff here. Now, if you didn't understand, again, what happened here between, like, you know, the beginning of Proverbs where he's writing things and, and speaking all these words of wisdom and God's using him to put the collection together and then kind of like what's happening at the end of his life, you can maybe think that this is what's going on. You can maybe think that all the things that he said early on, he walked those things out, and then at the end of it all, he said, that wasn't true. Now, so, you, so you can't read Ecclesiastes in that light because you can't see. Because he starts saying some stuff here that's very challenging. He starts making claims here. And he's been called the wisest man in the Bible. Of course, apart from Jesus. He's been called the wisest man. And a lot of times that's been attributed to him because of what Proverbs says. I don't think maybe just the wisest part and him being able to be called that is just because of Proverbs. I believe it's in large part because of Ecclesiastes. Why? It's because this. He comes to the end of his life, 
and he looks back over his life. And you know what he says? He said, man, all this life is just a breath. It's just a vapor. Now, again, if you thought he was just simply saying that after walking out Proverbs and living this out and doing these things, again, you're mistaken because what happens is this. We know that somewhere along the way, he begins to do things. That he has this wisdom. He has this knowledge, knows how to get great wealth. He gets great wealth, one of the richest men in the world. We, we look at Mark Zuckerberg, man, and I, I see him like all over right now. He had the trials from Facebook, and I, I saw his, his net worth was like $66 like billion dollars. That's just too much money for Facebook. I don't care who you are, man. That's just too much money from Facebook. But he has all of these things. You know what Solomon has? Solomon, some would say, man, Solomon has it all. He has great wealth. He has great treasures. He has wonderful things that people would look at and say, man, he has all these things that are value. But you know what Solomon found out? He had all of these things, but in the end, he found a value in them. In the end, he had no value for these things. He goes on to make claims, and he begins to say stuff that would just like totally cause us to go, man, did he miss it? Was, is the Bible not true? That's not the case at all because we find out what happens in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 12. Let's keep reading. It says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. You know what he's talking about here is this. He started investing all of himself, his time, his life, his energy. Everything happened that he put all that wisdom in was things that were going to happen and only affect here. It was only going to affect the now. It was only going to affect what he was seeing and what was going on right in front of him. So he says this. He, he puts all this under heaven. This burdensome task has, uh, God has given to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Verse 15, what is crooked cannot be made straight. We're going to say something about that in a second. And what is lacking cannot be numbered. I communed with my heart, saying, look, I have attained greatness. I have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge, and I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is grasping for the wind. For much wisdom is much grief, and, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Again, you got to understand from what this is, the point this is being written because, again, he's saying, I knew what to do. I understood the words of wisdom that God has spoken, the things that were said. But what we know about the life of Solomon is this. He walked away. We know that. We, <clears throat> we find in Scripture where he began to worship other gods and began to make the idols of the same way that the wives and those that he had married, he began to worship those other gods. He began to walk that path. And he actually makes the statement where he actually said those crooked things can't be made straight. Now, 
I know our minds, again, kind of process so much. I don't know if you remember last week, if you were here, if you remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I don't know if you remember us talking about trusting in the Lord, leaning not on our own understanding, and all of our ways acknowledging Him. He'll direct our path. I actually said this, and this is what it means in the Hebrew, that when He directs our path in the Hebrew, it means this, that He will make the crooked path straight. That's awesome. I mean, here it was, man. That was so much more fun to preach, to say those things that when we trust the Lord, when we lean on our understanding, we acknowledge him, understand that he's going to make this crooked thing in our life straight. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. I got way more amens last week than I've gotten this week. <laughs> way more fun to preach that. But you know what Solomon says? You know what I found out in my life? That crooked thing. It can't be made straight. Here's where you got to understand what's going on. Who missed it? Not God. He never does. He's not looking back saying, you know those words of Proverbs that I I got up and I shared and I spoke and I lived and walked that out. I, I, I sometimes in so many ways read those Proverbs in that light. I read them thinking, man, that he, he lived it, he walked it, he was speaking from experience even more so. Now, so now we understand and know that it was the Spirit of God who was giving him the revelation and those words of truth. It wasn't his own understanding. It was not because we hear him speak and say those words and then he does this. He goes and he walks away from those very things and he looks looks back, and I think he's in a place of regret where he's thinking, you know something, man, I spoke those words, and if I trusted him, he would straighten it out. You know what I'm finding myself doing now? All these things are still screwed up. <laughs> now, I know, I know, because this is it's just life, it's just facts. All of us can relate I had someone tell me this morning, like, Ecclesiastes is their favorite book in the Bible. I'm like, okie dokie. I mean, that's your fa-. But it, it was because, and I even asked this person after, I said, why was it your favorite book? He said, it was because of everything that you said. Because here's the truth. We can get up here and know about trusting the Lord unless we put it there. Nothing changes. We can know about acknowledging him, leaning not on our understanding, leaning back in his arms. But we choose to do it, and we've all done it. We've all heard it. We're like, man, this is awesome. This is good. I can almost see like Solomon saying, dude, God, thank you, man. That was, uh, that was great. That's good. And then what he does is he finds himself later down the path, walking away from those things and looking back and saying why. And he makes statements. It kind of, it's almost like, I guess it's almost kind of humorous as I begin to think about some of the things he said. He began to say things like that the generation is going to come and step forward and they actually think that they're going to make the difference. They're going to change stuff. Now again, please understand, that I'm not speaking negative about anything today. Some of you are like, man, this is an intense church, bro. I don't know if I'm coming back to this one. No, but no, please understand. Hear all of this. Listen, don't think that according again to scriptures, what's saying here, that we can make the difference. I actually thought about it as I was preparing my notes. I just kind of thought about Earth Day. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with what Earth Day is. Earth Day is like one of the environmental protection things that began, and it started in 1970. 
which is a great, 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 great year. I just want to leave it at that. It's a great year. There's great people born in 1970. They're wonderful. The world began to make it, things begin to shift in well, 1970. I'm going to leave it at that. My birthday is 1970. But <laughs> environmental protection, that we're going to start Earth Day. And it was amazing that, we, that, that Earth Day began. And I heard this, and I was kind of like, I'm going to look it up. This is wild. I actually looked up and see when Earth Day is. You know when Earth Day is? Today. Somebody knew that. It's today. And I was like, man, God, wow. That's, that's wow. And then I, so I was like, man, that's a trip. So it began today. But you know what happened? We thought in the 70s, we're going to start Earth Day. We're going to change the world. You know what happened? 1980s. Aquanet. Come on, somebody. Now, ladies, know what I'm talking about. I mean, Aqua. I mean, spread everything down, destroyed the ozone. Everything just completely began to fall apart in the 80s. And then 1990s happened. John Denver began to sing about plant a tree for America. <laughs> Man, we're going to change the world in 1990. You know what happens in 2000s? And then we have this nuclear thing, this happening, this going on. And now you know what everybody's doing? They're going green. Come on, we're we going green, man. We're going green. Now, listen, please understand. There's, there's probably things that we could do, all of us could do on to, to make this planet a better place, and we should do everything that we can do. But please understand this. This earth's going to pass away. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth come. It's going to be a beautiful opportunity, a beautiful place to where we can have eternal uh, life with Jesus when we place our hope in him. And don't think for a moment that we're going to be able to find the value that we're looking for on this earth. Because, listen, Solomon had it all. He still had nothing. Second thing, number two. I told you I'd spend more time on number one, so we'll roll. Number two is this. We must cultivate the proper relationships. We must cultivate the proper relationships. And again, there's a lot of different directions and themes. These are what were highlighted in my heart, and this is what God wanted me to share on. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says this. It says that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor, and for if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, beautiful passage. It gets used in a lot of weddings and uh, and I think it's a wonderful, you know, can be a wonderful testimony depending on the light in which you look at that. But I want you to think about these words now understanding who wrote them and when they were written in his life. And understand what Solomon was saying because I feel like this is where Solomon was going. And he understood something and it took him to the end of his life to figure it out. That he never cultivated the proper relationships. If you know the history, you know the time, you know this about Solomon. <clears throat> he had 700 wives. I'm not going to touch that. I'm going to step right back here. 
700 wives. He had 300, the Bible says, concubines or mistresses. So understand something. He had a thousand ladies in his life. Whoo, and I can tell you right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be nice. All right, thousand ladies in his life. He had all of this money. And you know what? That causes to happen in our life when you have a lot of money. It causes a lot of people to gather around you. So he had 1,000 women. He had all these ladies. That's just what's recorded. He had all these people around him. And you know what he found in the end of his life? Sitting there saying, I'm all alone. You know why? Because he never cultivated the relationships that mattered. Listen, I would rather have that one godly woman that I have and then a thousand others. I, 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 I would rather us do this in our life. Focus in on and cultivate the relationships that count. I want you to zero in on focus on things that are eternal. If you have children, invest in your children. Those are eternal relationships. The relationships that you're making here on this earth right now in this room, they're eternal. We begin to see that we need one another, that we're better together, that we need each other. And it takes a, it takes a family and a tribe to come together and make differences. That's what he's called us to come together and do. And you know what happens so many times? You know what the enemy will do in your life when something goes down? He'll try to pull you out and isolate you and make you feel alone, make you push away from everybody else and those that can help you and really make a difference in your life. I, heard, I, I had someone send me this week. It's against wild to tell me how these things happen. I had someone this week send me a picture. And I want them, if they would, just to stick this on the screen. And know it's not the easiest to see. You may have to kind of like zero in on it for just a minute. Focus for a second. I'm going to read it to you. But in this picture... There are three together walking together. And to these three that are walking together come into a place of, uh, of where life happens and there are holes and there are things that can cause us to fall and things can cause us to trip up and things that cause us to go the wrong way. But look what this thing says. It says this is why we need each other, to pray for one another. Because what happens as you see this, because they're a group, because they're together as they're walking, the first one, he falls. Listen, the other's carrying him through. As you keep on walking and keep on moving, the next one holds in place. And the next one would have failed if he had not those around him. And in the end, we see this happening here. And you know something? There are all of us in this room can relate to different places in that picture. There's been times we've been strong and been able to carry somebody else. There have been times that maybe we've fallen. But we, if we're surrounded by those who love us and the church operates and is cultivating the relationships as we should, we keep right on walking. We keep moving right on through. And so today, I want you to start asking yourself this question. Am I cultivating those relationships? Am I doing this as I should? Am I investing what in what matters most? And the third and final one this morning is simply this. This is good news, man. It's not too late. It's not too late because we see here in the life of Solomon, this guy who had all of these things, who realized that it wasn't in those things, we see a guy who really and understood in the end, we see the grace of God at work in his life where he is able to come to the place to where he realizes, man, ultimately all those things are 
vapors. All those things are breath, and we see the grace of God at work. And he says something at the close of this book. You can flip over to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. It says this, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This is what he's saying. All right, all right. When it's all said and done, what really matters most, what, what do we need to zero in on and focus in on? This is what he says. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is man's all. For this is man's all. This is everything that it really matters when it's all said and done. When I come before God, what's going to matter most? Have I served him? Have I put him first? Have I followed him? Have I done as he's asked me and said of me to do? Verse 14 says it's because of this. Because for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. You know what we can do today? We can make the decision now. Young people, he speaks directly to, 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 to the young in, in, in verse 1 of Ecclesiastes 12. He says it this way. Listen, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Oh, man, you know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, at a young age, man, when I was in the Proverbs, when I was young in my age, when I knew what to do and I somehow walked away, he said, I wish I would have held on to that. I wish I'd have held on to that. Listen, don't wait. Don't wait. Don't say, listen, I got plenty of time. Listen, we don't know. It's a vapor. It's here. It's breath. It's gone. We do not know. And this is my prayer this week. This has been my heart this week as I've studied, spent time in this. I want every person, when it's all said and done, to be able at the end of your life to say, I have no regrets. Because you know what I've done. I've been by the deathbed of too many. And now two decades of doing this, I've had too many people sit there and say, Pastor, you know what? I wish I would have done things different. I've never had one person tell me, you know, I wish I, you know, I, I wouldn't have spent so much time, man, in church. I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time following Jesus, man. I wish I would have spent so much time, man, investing in my kids and my relationships that mattered. I've never heard that. But I've heard the other. But here's the good news today. Listen, all this can change. And listen, some of you are going, man, it's like, man, nothing's making sense. Listen, if you're trying to make sense of life apart from God, it'll never make sense. It will never make sense. And I want you to do this. If you would stand with me. And as you stand, I, I want to just read one last quote to you. And if you have your notes, you can, you can find this in the, in the U version app. And it's by a guy named William Booth. William Booth founded the Salvation Army. Him and his wife had an incredible ministry, were ministers of the gospel, and they shared Jesus, and they, they founded the Salvation Army, and again, still lives are being changed to that ministry. 
And I want you to hear something that he said. And I want you to think about for just a moment about when this was said. He left this earth in 1912. So over a hundred years ago, he left the earth. And so he made this statement nearing the end of his life when he was asked about what he, the direction he saw the country and the church and things headed. And he made this statement. It's on the screen and it's in your notes. And he says this. He says that the chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost. Christianity without Christ. Forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration. Politics without God. And heaven without hell. I don't know how well you keep up with what's going on in the world. But guys, we're there. If I've ever heard more prophetic statement in all my life, we're there. And today we actually, today it's being spoken in churches that claim Christ. And I'm struggling with this. I'm praying and speak blessings and, and love. And I want to see, I want to see clear doctrine uh, be, be spoken. And I'm struggling with what's being said in some places today in some churches. That hell is not eternal. Heaven is and hell is not. That you can have one without the other. That somehow we can have Christianity without Christ. Listen, guys, we are there. And I want you to understand when he said this. Back in that time, it was when there was a movement being spoken and it carried straight on through to I was a little boy. Hell was preached about every week. All the time. You know what we've done? We've swung the pendulum so far the other direction. But what is true is that they're both. And the good news is this. It's not too late. Pastor, I've done this. This happened in my life and I've gone down this road. Listen, it's not too late. The grace of God is a beautiful thing. And today I believe he's speaking to hearts and lives in this room. And I want to ask you, if you would, to just simply do this right where you're standing. Just close your eyes. Search your heart today. First of all, I want to give you the opportunity to come to Christ, to, have, to come to a place of salvation, to come to a place of surrender, and to come to the place, again, of, of, of Christianity. And again, it's through Christ it's through Jesus. It's through the work that he did when he got on the cross. And he died in our place for our sins. That's how we come to him. Because he is alive, as we just sung about a few moments ago, forever. And he is going to come again. And you know what we have today? Listen, the opportunity to receive him today by faith. Accept Jesus into our life. Listen, young, 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 listen. Now. Do it now. Do it now. Don't wait. Don't think, well, I can do this later. I can make this decision. Listen, now. Listen to the words of Solomon. Do it now. Maybe you're right here and you've waited and you're saying, man, I'm older in life or I'm in the middle ages or whatever it may be. Listen, it's not too late. I just want to ask you, first of all, is there anyone here that needs to come to Christ, put their faith and hope in Jesus? It's a beautiful thing. Salvation is incredible. And we celebrate it. We're going to celebrate it next week. Lives that have been changed. And salvation has come. 
That's all I want to ask you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You need to surrender your life to Jesus. Oh, man. Not asking you, do you go to church? Not asking you if you've been out of church. Do you need to surrender your life to Jesus? <clears throat> Have you done what Solomon did? Maybe you knew you, 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 you kind of were there somewhere down the path. You've walked away, and now you're in a place where you're looking back. You say, man, I regrets. Listen, his grace is here for you. He loves you. If that's you, you'll say, Pastor, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to do this. Raise up your hand. I ain't going to count to three. I ain't going to do none of those things. Just right where you stand. You know he knows. And so right now, why not just go ahead and surrender everything over to him? Just raise it up high. High as you can get up in the air. God bless you, man. I see that. Who else? Raise it up as high as you can get it. Anybody else? I mean high as you can get in the air. I want to see it. Lots of my eyes. I don't want to miss you. There's anybody else? Listen, don't wait. Don't wait. Don't put this on. It's good news. You can look back and no regrets. Hey, man, just right now, if you've raised your head, I just want you to do this. Just simply do this. Just say, God, I come to you, and I receive the free gift of salvation because of what your son Jesus did for me. I put my hope, I put my faith in the work of Christ. And I thank you for saving me. I believe today that Jesus is alive forevermore. And as a result, I have eternal life. And I said in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, man, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you right now for speaking to hearts. Now, listen, please, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts right now in this room other than just for new salvation. As you examine your heart, as you look at the situations right now, are you living in a way, are things going on in your life that if you continue down this path, listen, at the end of the life, when you're on that place where you have to make those final remarks from your life, are you in a place of regret? I'm not saying you're not saved. And listen, are you in a place of regret? Listen, today, surrender that to God. Come back to Him. Maybe today, I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts right now that maybe you need to cultivate some relationships that matter. You've been looking for the satisfaction in the wrong, wrong people. You've been putting efforts in the wrong thing. You want to cultivate godly relationships. This is a day where you start doing that. You don't live in the regret of not doing it. You begin to walk it out by faith. Right now, just just begin to surrender that over to Him. Amen. Maybe there's just some that you've been trying to do this. You've come to Christ, but man, you've invested so much in these things, as as Solomon said, under the sun, on this earth, in the natural. But you're saying, man, I want to start investing in, in eternal. I want to start doing things different. This is a day to start. This has been a podcast of Pastor Terry Rogers brought to you by Faith Renewed. For more information about us, please visit faithrenewed.org. For questions, feel free to contact us via email at info at faithrenewed.org.